Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. For those of you that do not know, my name is Pastor Noah O'Connor. I am the youth pastor here at Bethel Christian Church. I am also the worship pastor. I oversee both of those departments. I am originally from Massachusetts. Any Massachusetts in the house this morning? Make some noise. Hey, there we go. There we go. I, uh, I, I lived there pretty much most of my life. I'll get into that a little bit later. And, you know, I grew up, I was always playing music and I grew up in the church. So, you know, I always wanted to do something with music and I loved fixing cars. So I was like, God, if you could make one of those work or both of those work, whatever. And he did. And I'm so grateful that he called me into ministry and called me to proclaim his word. And I'm thankful to be able to share that with you this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, we are going to be looking at the two scriptures we had just used for our scramble. We're going to be looking at Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, and we're going to be going through verse 32. And for those of you that want to turn to our other text, which is Deuteronomy 31, 8, that will be our other second text for today. But before I get into the word, before I get into the sermon today, you can ask any of my students in Echo Youth Ministries. They know I love to begin my sermons posing a question. I I don't mind hearing the sound of my own voice, but I don't love the sound of my own voice. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard yourself in a recording and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, that's what I sound like? Sometimes my wife will take videos of me with the kids and then I'll watch them back and I'm like, yeah, why did you marry me? I sound like that? Are you serious? So I want engagement today. We're going to get wild today, right? Make some noise. Are we happy to be here this morning? Come on. We love to be in the house of the Lord and I need that engagement. I want to hear from you. So my first question to you this morning that I would like to ask is, when was the last time that you experienced the wild? That is the title of our sermon today, Into the Wild. When was the last time? And I want you to share. So throw up a hand. Were you hiking a mountain? Were you in the ocean? I need a volunteer to share a quick story. What do you got? When was the last time you experienced the wild? And I'm, I see one hand. Pastor Alyssa. There was a bear in my backyard. A bear in her backyard. There are a lot of bears in Bristol, which I love. I'm very happy about. My wife, not so much. She's like, don't go pet it. I'm like, but he's cute. Look at him. He needs, he needs like a surrogate dad. I'm going to just adopt this little bear. Anybody else? Any experience you had in the wild? Yes. I was very close to the bear. Oh, she was even closer to the bear. <laughs> We, we had a pretty close encounter with a bear here last summer, actually. Myself, Pastor Maria, Pastor Zach, Pastor Josh, we were out there, out that exit door by the woods, and we were just cleaning up some things under the canopy, and all of a sudden, we hear Pastor Maria go like, whoo, and she runs away, just like ran, no words, no nothing. And all of us are like, like, what, what, like meteor? Like, what's going on? But then we see this huge bear, and we were like, okay, have a nice day, yep. So we just left, but... That was the closest encounter we've had together, and, and it was an experience. It truly bonded us. I feel like that was the pivotal moment in our time as a staff. You guys can tell me if you agree or not. But that is the wild. And whether you have been out in the wild in person, you know, hiking or on a safari or even the zoo, that's pretty wild. Whether you've been there in person or if you've just watched it on the Discovery Channel, on the National Geographic Channel, the wild is a fun and exciting place. 
Not only do we get to see how beautiful God's creation is, how incredible it is, but we can see how unique it is and all of the little things from the peak of the highest mountain down to the very bottom of the ocean where the glow-in-the-dark fish, like that one in Finding Nemo with the big scary light bulb on the end of him, we can see where all of those things and how unique they truly are. Do I have any Shark Week fans in the house this morning? Make some noise. Nobody likes Shark Week? Nobody. All right, what about Crocodile Hunter? Anybody out there? Oh my gosh, I grew up watching Steve Irwin every Saturday morning. I miss it so much. How about any millennials in there? Zabumafu on PBS? Y'all remember Zabumafu? All right, most remember Zabumafu. That's actually very surprising. But that was a great show. And what these shows did was they immersed us into what it was like to be outside in the wild. Whether you were watching a shark attack the cameraman in a cage or Steve Irwin wrestling that crocodile, it's insane. But the wild excites us because it is so different from the life that you and I live every single day, right? Now, where's my kids' church people at? Can you make some noise? Where's kids' church? There's no kids today? If you're in kids' church, give a shout. All right, there you are. I need some help because I, I need you to help me make my point here that nature is a little bit different than what we do. So, kids' church, help me out here. Do sharks, when they get hungry, do they go through the drive-thru at McDonald's? No, right? That doesn't sound right. Does the gorilla get up on Saturday morning to mow the lawn? And none of you better say, yes, my dad. You're not allowed to say that here. We are in the Lord's house. Be respectful. We don't see that, right? We don't see these things. It's so different. If a female lion decides that she wants to take the day off from hunting, her whole family's going to go hungry. She can't take the day off and just play Fortnite in her room all night. The wild, there's a lot more at stake. It's a crazy place to be. Now, the scariest experience that I ever had in the wild was when I was 11 years old. Now, I already made it clear that I am from Massachusetts, but when I was 11 years old, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Arizona, I have one thing to say about it. It's hot. It's so, so brutally hot. And as I said, I lived in Phoenix, which is on the southern half of the state, which is even hotter than the northern half. It was so hot. One day, I kid you not, my brothers and I, we took some eggs, we put them on my dad's car, and we cooked them. On the hood of his car, it was 134 degrees. Are you tracking with me? You get where I'm going with this? It's hot. Is, am I, have I made that clear enough that it's hot? Okay, so as I go into this story, keep that in mind. So one day, my family, we decide to hike. We're a hiking family. Well, I should say they were a hiking family. I was kind of dragged along for the ride. I was a very husky 11-year-old, and I mean that. I literally shopped in the husky section. Climbing up a mountain was not a daily routine for me. It was very difficult. I was wheezing. I was crying. I had snot coming down my face. It was terrible. But we're making our way up this mountain, and finally, I beg my dad, and he finally says we can stop and take a water break. So I take a seat on this rock, and immediately, my buns are toasting, but I'm just grateful to not be on my legs and we're, we're hydrating, we're getting to drink. And then all of the sudden, as I'm sitting on this rock, I look over and I see this funny looking little stone on the ground. And this, the funny thing about this stone was that it blended in with the earth beneath it. And I was like, that's weird. It almost looks like the earth just has this little bump on it. It's super weird. It's like the earth has a pimple. I don't know what's going on here. And so upon closer inspection, I go over, you know, the brilliant 11-year-old that I am, and all of a sudden, I notice that the stone is moving. But it's not moving to the left, the right, forward, and back. It's not moving in a normal direction. It almost looks like it's 
folding in on itself. And some of you already know where I'm going with this. And then I get even closer and my brothers were like, what is this? And all of a sudden we start hearing this, this sound, this weird sound. And it sounds like someone took a spoonful of rice, put it in a salt shaker and they're just going crazy. Just shake, 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 shake. And I'm like, oh man, what is that? And then to my horror, we finally realize that we are in the presence of a loud, mean, very cranky rattlesnake. Now, I wasn't a dumb kid, but I knew what that meant. Like, time to go, time to go. My family, we are Italian. We don't like snakes, none of us. It's just, it's a big phobia of ours. So we booked it. All of a sudden, I'm not wheezing. I turned into UC and Bolt going up that mountain. Anything to get... ...to in Arizona. And even though that was the most frightening experience that I ever had with nature, it most certainly was not my last experience out in nature. Even though I got the living daylight scared out of me, that did not hinder me from going back to that mountain, going back out into sea, going anywhere to experience this earth that God had created. And why? Because even though the wild can be dangerous, it can be unknown and unfamiliar, we are drawn to its excitement and its adventure, right? What if I told you this morning that Jesus wants to invite you on his big adventure? What if Jesus walked into our doors here at Bethel Christian Church this morning, strolled right up to your seat and was like, hey, I've got something for you. I got a big adventure. Do you wanna come with me? I got a huge thing. I got so much for you. I'm not gonna tell you about it, but I want you to come. Would you say yes? Or would you say no thank you? The call of the wild is on us this morning. How will you respond to that invitation? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Father, the word that you have given us so that we can live this life fully and unashamedly wild for you. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning and help us as we navigate through your word and through this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, if you have your Bibles this morning, we are in Matthew chapter 14, and we're gonna be starting in verse 22, and we're gonna be looking at a Bible character who's one of my favorites. How many of you have ever heard of Peter, the apostle of Jesus? None of you? Oh, one of my youth students, thank you. Aaron has heard. He's been paying attention to my sermons. Simon Peter, the disciple of Jesus, is one of my favorite Bible characters in Scripture. And I gotta be honest with you, Peter tends to get a bad rap. People tend to be a little hard on Peter. Peter is often used as the example in scripture. The example in sermons is like, well, don't be like Peter. Like he's got a big mouth. Like, you know, watch out for that guy. He denied the Lord three times. He did this, he did that. You know, he's often the butt of the joke, poor Peter. However, if we take a step back and we look at Peter's life and all of his interactions with Jesus, with the other disciples and those around him, we see a few things. Number one, we see a man who is passionate. We see a man who is passionate on, and on fire for his Lord, his Savior, a man who cares about the disciples, his brothers, and we see a man who just would do anything for his Lord. That is the type of guy that Peter was. Peter was a man who was wild for Jesus. 
So turning to our text in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22, 32, you can follow along on the screen with me if you like. But starting in verse 22, it says, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, later that night, he was there alone. And the boat that was already a considerable distance from the land was buffeted by the waves. And for those of you in here who don't know what buffeted means, buffeted means you're being thrown all over the place. This boat was all over the sea, tossed and turned in this storm, and it was buffeted in the waves. Then the wind was against it. And it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So most of you have probably heard this story. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. Ah, that would be me. I'd be screaming. I'd be screaming like a girl. It'd be crazy. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then here comes our man, Peter. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus simply says, come, come on out here. The water's fine. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink and cried out. And he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Now, once again, this is, this is, at this point in the story, this is where our man Peter tends to get a lot of flack. You know, we, we read this story and we get very focused on Peter's failure and we start to kind of judge him in our own little, you know, churchy way. We're like, oh, Peter, he didn't even believe in Jesus. You know, we're making fun of him. We're roasting him. But honestly, how many of us would go through the same thing? How many of us would see waves? I don't know about you. I prefer dry land. I am not a fan of the ocean. I'll go fishing on a kayak in a lake or whatever. But I'm telling you, if I was tossed and turned out in the ocean, I would be crying literally in the fetal position. But we get so focused on Peter's failure and the fact that he took his eyes off of Jesus and starts to sink, again, like most of us would have, that we fail to see where Peter got it right in this story. I would like to put our friend Peter here in a better light this morning. Can I do that, church? Can we do that this morning? I would like to turn your attention to the fact that what stands out to me the most when I read this text is that Peter is the only disciple bold enough to call out to Jesus out on the water. Out of all of the disciples, Peter's the one who steps up and says, Lord, if it's you, call me out to the water. He had that boldness about him, Peter. And all of the disciples were afraid, no doubt. All of them were shaken at the thought of this wind and possibly this ghost coming to haunt them. But Peter has the courage to recognize the voice of his master, his friend, Jesus. And he calls out to him, asking him to prove that he is who he says he is by calling Peter out onto the water. And then what does Peter do? Peter does the unthinkable. He steps out of that boat. And in our modern context, when we read that, we kind of lose the gravity of the situation. Think of what it would be like to be on a boat or a ship being tossed and turned by the waves. Like I said, I prefer dry land. I would be terrified. But that's exactly what Peter does. He steps out of his place of safety. He steps out from his place of comfort. 
He steps away from what he knows. He steps away from his brothers and he puts his foot out on the water and he sets aside every inhibition that he has as an experienced fisherman. This wasn't Peter's first rodeo. Peter knew how dangerous it was to be out on the water at this time, but he puts all that aside. And why? Because he is following and running toward the voice of his savior, Jesus. He is running toward the voice of the Messiah that has called his name. Deuteronomy 31 verse eight, like we saw in our scramble says, if it is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, these words in Deuteronomy were written by Moses as he was wrapping up the, the five books of the Bible that he wrote. Deuteronomy was his last book, and this is really his farewell address to the Israelites. And I love the fact that in these closing chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses chooses that the one, of, one of the things he wants to leave with his people when he goes to the grave, he wants them to know that they know, that they know, that they know, that they know, that the Lord has been with them throughout their entire time in the wilderness, throughout every battle they fought, through every sickness they faced, everything that came their way from the beginning of their exit from Egypt all the way to their entrance into the promised land, that the Lord was with them the whole way. Now, Peter, being a Jewish man and knowing the history of his people, I, I oftentimes think, I wonder how Peter heard these words written by Moses. I wonder if he heard them in synagogue when he went to church every weekend. I wonder if maybe Peter's father taught him these words written by Moses. We'll never know. The Bible does not record that. But one thing we know looking at Peter's actions was that he had the sense about him to recognize that Jesus was the son of God and that he was the son of the God of his ancestors who took them out of Egypt, brought them to the wilderness and into the promised land. And I guarantee you that as Peter looked about at the crashing waves, at his boat, as his friends who are freaking out in the boat, he knew the words of Moses, that the Lord will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And Peter calls out to Jesus saying, let me come out to you, call me out to you. And Jesus does just that. He says, come. To live a life that is wild for Jesus requires a few things on our part. And for the sake of our text this morning, if, if we use our friend Peter here as our example, here are a few requirements laid out for us by Peter in this narrative. The first thing that Peter does was he hears the voice of Jesus. You might read this and you think, well, no, Peter called out to Jesus. Yes, he did. But the first thing that he did was he heard the voice of the Lord. And this is something that the everyday Christian tends to struggle with. This is something that you and I so often struggle with, hearing the voice of the Lord and listening to his leadings because we allow all of the things in our life to distract us, whether they be good things or bad things. But either way, we always look around and it's so difficult at times to settle ourselves to the point where we're quiet enough to even hear the voice of the Lord. 
Now, it's easy to do when life is going well. It's easy to do when the bills are paid and the brakes on the car are working just the way they're supposed to be. It's easy to hear the voice of the Lord and it's easy to know that he's got your back. But when life starts throwing waves at you, when life starts tossing your boat around in the sea, those are the times we tend to freeze and we tend to panic. Just like an 11-year-old Pastor Noah in the presence of a rattlesnake, we tend to freeze up and think, man, what's next? I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, it's not as easy to hear the voice of the Lord. And you know, that wild, free devotion, we were living free, we were so happy, we had this freedom in Jesus, all of a sudden that freedom turns into this jaded, conditional devotion to the Lord based on our circumstances. And we shut the Lord out because we're so focused on what we're going on right now. If all you do is look at your circumstances, if all I do is look at the circumstances around me, we will never be able to hear the voice of the Savior who says, come to me. Sometimes to be wild for Jesus, the first step is to remain calm. In the face of adversity, in the face of trial and persecution, we stay calm. Now you might be here this morning and be like, well, that makes no sense to be wild for Jesus. I have to be calm first. Pastor Noah, what are you talking about? What do you mean I have to be calm to be wild for Jesus? In order to be wild for Christ, we have to know him. And to know him, we have to hear him. Step one laid out by Peter is hearing the voice of the Lord. Despite what's around you, despite what you see, you center yourself and get into his presence and hear the voice of of the Lord. The second thing that Peter does was he calls out to the Lord. And again, this is something that we so often struggle with as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ. We struggle to call out to the Lord in our time of need. And why? Why do we do this? Well, if you're anything like Pastor Noah, I used to have this very disgusting sense of self-sufficiency in the sense I was like, I'll take care of myself. I'll worry about that. And I had this philosophy that you're only supposed to go to Jesus for the big things. You're only supposed to go to Jesus for the big things. I didn't want to bother him with my little issues. And that is completely opposite to what Jesus wants to do. You know, I'd be, my parents and my, our family, we'd be going through financial struggles and we'd be worried. And I'd be like, you know what, God? Yeah, we don't, we might not have money for groceries this week, but you know, we haven't been foreclosed yet. I'll come to you when we get to that point. I'll worry about it then. Or when, even when I got to college and I was dealing with, you know, work and school and a relationship and another job at the same time and working in churches, I was like, man, dude, I'm so stressed. What is wrong with me? And instead of praying, I was just like, nah, I'll figure it out. Like if I get committed to a mental hospital, then I'll worry about it. Then we'll worry. We don't want to wait for the big things. The Lord is looking for us to involve him in every facet of our life. And I don't know about you this morning, but when I am cooking breakfast in the morning, when I've got my English muffin, when I'm buttering that thing, there is not a molecule of that surface that is not covered and dripping in butter. And that is what the Lord needs to do in our life. Be involved in every single aspect, leaving no part of our mind and our heart untouched by him, leaving no stone unturned to call upon his name, to call on him in our time of need, church. We can't do it on our own. So you know what a wild thing to do would be? To surrender that pride and that sense of self-sufficiency and involve Jesus in every single part of your life. Just like Peter, call on his name. 
It's the second thing he did. He heard his voice. He called his name. He called to his savior. And Peter doesn't have a complicated request here. He's not asking for protection. He doesn't ask that the Lord bring him onto the water. He's not asking that the storm stop. He's not asking for any of that. He just says, Lord, if it truly is you, this simple request, he says, call me out to you. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He calls Peter out onto the water. And then Peter does number three. He steps out of his boat. He does the unthinkable. He get, amidst waves, amidst craziness, and probably fish flying everywhere and slapping in the face. You know, you like you see those videos on the internet. I'm sure they get, maybe took a fish or two. I can't say the Bible doesn't record it, but I can imagine. And Peter sees the waves about him. This is where our man here gets tripped up. He stepped out. He's walking. He sees his savior. He's moving toward him. But then all of a sudden, Peter starts to see the waves beneath him. He starts to see, he, maybe he looked back at the boat and he saw the, how, how far the boat had tilted left and right and forward and back. And Peter begins to sink. He does begin to sink. I don't want to glaze over that. But what does Peter do when he starts to sink? Peter goes back to step two. He calls out to the Lord. He calls out to Jesus again, this time saying, Lord, save me, help me, help me, Jesus. And Matthew 14, verse 31 says, immediately Jesus reached out and caught him. He immediately caught him. Now, this is a word that we see a lot in the scriptures, especially in the book of Mark. We see immediately Jesus did this, immediately Jesus did that. But you know something in this text in particular, I get very hung up on that word immediately. That word means so much more to me in this story than in the others. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible doesn't say that after Peter had learned his lesson, Jesus reached in, or after Jesus had done being upset with Peter, Jesus annoyed him. That's not what the word says. The word says, immediately, Jesus reached down his hand and pulled Peter up from the water. And my point in this is that when Jesus calls you out onto the waters, when he calls you to step out of your boat in your moment of need, when you cry out to him, Jesus isn't up there saying, well, this is what you deserve. This is the bed that you made. Now you got to sleep in it. You shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's not the God that we serve. Just like our friend Peter, Jesus immediately puts his hand out and pulls us back onto the waters. Amen. We serve an amazing God. And the amazing thing is that we fail so often to realize that when he calls us, he's going to make the way. He's not calling us to this random thing. He's calling us to be with him. He's calling us closer to him. And you know what the wild thing about Peter at this point in our story is? Is that even at the risk of failure, he chooses to step out of that boat. Even at the risk of making a mistake and completely blowing it, he still steps out of that boat. How many of us in here can say that the worry and fear of failure has kept us from doing things that we knew we were supposed to do? 
I've had many times in my life that. How many of us in here have desires and dreams in our hearts that we know are from the Lord and callings that we know are from the Lord, but we've suppressed them and we've pushed them down in this sense of inferiority, thinking that somebody else can probably do it better, so why should I even try? And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you allow fear, anxiety, trepidation, and doubt to just sit there in your heart and mix and mingle, and if you allow it to rule your life, that it is going to result in a fruitless and ineffective life. It will result in a life that was wasted, really. It will result in a life that is full of regret. But if by faith you walk just like Peter did in steps onto the water out toward his savior and you walk and it might, you might sink, you might fall, you may struggle, but you reach out and you ask the Lord for his help and he pulls you back up. If you walk in faith in step toward the savior, it will yield a purpose fulfilled and a heart that is full of peace. I've had so many moments in my life where I chose not to step out and immediately regretted it. But the Lord was faithful and he gave me another chance. And then when I did choose to step out, oh my gosh, he blew every expectation that I ever had because he always comes through. My youth pastor growing up always told me because I wrestled with the call of God for the longest time. I, I wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to be working in a church when I was older. And I always pushed that away. But my youth pastor would always say in my moments of doubt, in my moments of fear, he said, if he called you, he will equip you. If he called you, he will equip you. And I would invite the worship team back to the stage as I close this morning. He's called you, so he will equip you. He's not going to leave you high and dry. A lot of times we, we picture the Lord like he's this, this angry father figure in heaven, kind of just looking down, waiting for us to make a mistake. But church, can I tell you this morning, the Lord is not mean. The Lord is not conniving. The Lord is not up there waiting for your downfall. He calls you for his purpose. He leads you and he helps you every step of the way. Why? Because of the simple fact that he loves you. The simple fact that he believes in you that he's given you these gifts, he's given you these desires. And if you choose to walk out in faith, to step out to his calling, he will equip you for whatever you need. The Lord's desire is to see you succeed in your gifts and your callings. He wouldn't have given you those gifts if he did not intend for you to use them. So my challenge to you this morning, church, is to truly walk in the footsteps of Peter and step out of your boat. I don't know what your boat is this morning. I don't know what the Lord has asked of you this morning, or maybe he asked you to do something a long time ago and you've kind of just like, like Jonah been running away. You've been trying to flee from Nineveh. I don't know what it is that you need to do this morning. But I do know this. The words in Deuteronomy 31 are not for nothing says that the Lord will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He started this verse saying, he goes before you. He goes before you. He's already there. 
A lot of times when the Lord puts a calling on our life, we think it's God being like, all right, go. Let me know how it goes. I'll see you then. I'll see you later. But look at the story of Peter. The Lord didn't call Peter out somewhere. He called Peter to him. He said, Peter, come to me. Peter, come. I'm out here. Jesus is out on the very waters that he has called you to walk on. And every time you fall, anytime you fail, he is faithful and just to reach his hand into that water and catch you before you can sink. He will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not into tattoos, but if I tattooed any scripture on my body, it'd be that one, that he will never leave you or forsake you. Step out of your boat. If you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord, you do not have a relationship with him, I would like to personally invite you to ask him into your heart this morning. I've been serving the Lord since I was 14 years old. I'm 26 now, so you can do the math there. It's not very long. But I've never once regretted a single moment in choosing to follow Jesus. And I've been through some hard times. I've been through some frustrating times. But the Lord has been with me every step of the way. And I invite you this morning to ask the Lord into your heart to receive that forgiveness of sins that he so freely and so desperately wants to give you. You haven't run too far. You haven't done anything too bad. There's nothing that can shock the Lord. There's nothing too awful that you could have done that you can escape his love and escape his mercy and forgiveness. His invitation is always open. Invite him into your life. If you're here this morning and you do know the Lord and the Lord is calling you out of your boat, whether I'm speaking to the oldest in the room or the youngest in the room in our kids' church ministries, if you feel the Lord is calling you to something this morning, I again would like to personally extend the invitation to step out of your boat. As someone who spent years afraid and worried of failure and worried of what could happen, of stepping out in the boat, I just gotta tell you this morning, the water's fine because Jesus is out there on the water. And I invite you to do the same. It took a long time for me to choose to trust Jesus and step out of the boat. But when I did, it was like being thrust into this adventure through time and space. And I have never regretted a single moment. And that's my challenge to you this morning is that you would step out of your boat. And again, I wanna just tell you, Jesus is out on the water. He's not telling you, hey, go do this. He's saying, come to me. He's out there. He's waiting for you. He's calling you to him. He's already gone before you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. If I could bring it closer to home this morning, just in house. And for those of you watching online, you know, stepping out of your boat doesn't always mean dropping your life and pursuing the call of missions and building orphanages and doing things in other parts of the world. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. And we love to see those things. But it's not always that complicated and not always that big of a decision. What if the Lord this morning is calling you to just start serving right here in your own church, right in your own backyard, right in your place of work, right in your schools? What if the Lord this morning wanted you to take part in the body of Christ today and get involved? Because let me tell you something, church, as a pastor here, 
I gotta tell you, we, we have amazing things at Bethel. We've got a great worship team. We have media that we can stream to all parts of the world. We've got flourishing youth and young adults ministries, but without men and women like you willing to serve and willing to come alongside of us, those ministries cannot exist. Pastor Zach has more positions in the media team than I can count on my hands. He's, we, we need you, church. The body of Christ needs you. Bethel needs you. And if you have gifts and desires that maybe you had a long time ago and you've pushed them down, maybe today's the day to choose to step out of the boat. If you have a love for music, maybe it's time to step out and join the worship team. If you have a heart to pray for those who are in need, maybe it's time to get on the prayer chain and get on the prayer team. If you're someone who loves to teach, maybe next semester is the time for you to teach a life group to get involved in youth and kids church and young adults and invest in the next generation. Church, there's no age limit to serving in the kingdom of God. You're never too old. There's no age limit to serve God. Students and children, there's no, there's no height limit like you see at Six Flags in serving the Lord. God does not look at how old you are. God does not look at your experience. He calls you based on his love for you and the gifts and the desires that he's given you. And he says, I'm choosing you. I don't care if somebody else can do it better. I'm choosing you. That was my excuse for a long time. Lord, I know someone can do it better. Send someone else. And he was like, no, I'm choosing you. I've called you for this time. And church, when I do cross the other side, when I get to heaven, I don't want God to look at any part of my life and be like, why did you hold that back from me? Why didn't you step out in that moment? Why didn't you use those gifts and those desires that I gave you? I wanna walk into heaven and I wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want Jesus to scoop me up in his arms and be like, listen, you did good. You did good, come on in. I wanna know that I lived a life that was wild for Christ. A life that didn't hold anything back from him. A life that had the boldness of Peter to step out of my boat and onto the waves and walking fully in step and fully in faith toward Jesus. Live wild for Christ. Live wild for Jesus. Students, children, everybody in this room, choose to live a life that is out of the ordinary. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And I can personally attest and say that he will not disappoint you. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you sink. I'm gonna invite the altar team to the front and I'm also gonna invite any kids church leaders, any youth leaders to the front as well, just to pray for any of our students or youth that want prayer this morning. And we're going to go back into worship and sing one last song. But again, I would like to just personally extend that invitation to you this morning to step out of the boat. And stepping out of the boat is uncomfortable. It's scary. I can only imagine what was going through Peter's mind at that time. But even though he stepped out and even though he sank, the Lord picked him up and Peter was with Jesus on those waters. Whatever waters you're stepping onto, just know that Jesus is with you every step of the way. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. 
I invite you to step out and make that decision today. The altars are open. I'll pray, we'll continue to worship, and then I'll come up and round this off. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, your word that encourages us and instructs us to live a life, Lord, that's out of the ordinary. A life that chooses to put aside the things that really appeal to our common sense, the things that don't make sense, and choose to step out in faith and to walk with you. Father, my prayer this morning for everyone in this room, Lord, is that they wouldn't fear stepping out of the boat. There's always going to be inhibitions. There's always going to be worry. But Father, may fear never overtake them to the point that they don't even try. My prayer is that nobody in this room, from the oldest to the youngest, would live a life of regret when they look back on their life and think, what if? What if I had chosen to do this? What if I had chosen to do this for Christ? What if I had chosen to use these gifts for him? Father, touch every heart this morning, I pray. Inspire every heart and mind this morning to step out and live fully for you, Lord. We honor you this day. We honor you this day in Jesus' name. The altars are open if you need prayer, but we're gonna continue to worship him. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.